Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. Hey everyone, in today's episode, we're going to do sort of an addendum or a bonus to our Doctrine of the Week about the penal substitutionary aspects of the atonement by looking at some other aspects of the atonement. It is very important, in fact, I would even argue that it is the central foundational truth of Jesus' death that he was our substitute and that he died in our place so that his righteousness would be imputed to us and so that our sin would be imputed to him. But that is not the only aspect of the atonement. It's almost like a diamond that as you turn, you see different facets. And I wanted to focus this week on the penal substitutionary aspect because that's the one that often gets downplayed or watered down or frankly just ignored completely. But there are others. There are other ways in which we can and should also, in addition to penal substitution, think about the atonement. And really, I want to just discuss three in today's episode. And they are Christus Victor, Ransom Theory, and the Moral Example Aspect. So the first one, Christus Victor, which is just basically Latin for describing Christ as victorious over all these different various uh, things, beings, aspects, whatever, that in Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, he demonstrated his power, his superiority, and his victory over all kinds of things, including death itself, which we see in 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57. Also, we see that Jesus demonstrated his power over the powers of darkness. Paul talks about this in Colossians 2.15. Although, I would just add as a, as a quick side note here that in the previous verse in Colossians 2.14, we very clearly see penal substitution. And so even, even in these other aspects, you can never really get too far away from this idea that Christ is our substitutionary sacrifice. But back to Christus Victor, Jesus demonstrated power over darkness and over the evil spiritual forces of the world. He dominated them by his death. He also demonstrated power and victory over sin. In Romans 8.3, we see both sin and the flesh mentioned. Jesus also demonstrated victory over the world. We see this illustrated in two different passages. In John 16.33, Jesus tells his disciples not to fear because he has overcome the world. And in 1 John 5.4, John picks back up with this idea from Jesus and reminds his readers that we have overcome the world, that through Jesus and his death, the world is defeated and the powers of the world. Are defeated. And then, as I mentioned earlier, the flesh in Romans 8 3 is still another way that Christ has demonstrated victory, that we are no longer slaves to our flesh and to its sinful desires because of the victory that we have through Christ uh, and his death, burial, and resurrection. So, 
As I said, there are still allusions to penal substitutionary atonement in some of these verses and in their immediate context, but Christus Victor is a very traditional way in which one aspect, at least, of Christ's atonement has been understood by church fathers and scholars, so on and so forth. Another one is this ransom theory idea, and the idea here is that Jesus paid what was owed. We see part of this demonstrated by the very words of Jesus himself in Matthew 20, 28, and it's parallel in Mark 10, 45, where Jesus says, I came to give my life as a ransom for many. Paul alludes to this as well in 1 Timothy 2, 5, and 6, talking about that Jesus is our ransom. And the only real question that people debate over with regard to ransom theory is not that Jesus' death was a ransom, because that's clearly scriptural and Jesus considered himself a ransom, but rather a ransom to whom? There are those who would argue that the ransom is paid to God, and there are those who would say that, no, the ransom was paid to Satan. And there are scriptural cases that I think can be made in both directions, Ultimately, that's uh, beyond the scope of this particular discussion, although we might get into it later uh, when we cover spiritual beings and all those different things and, and what exactly the extent of Satan's power and authority is and whether that means that somehow he had the ability to demand a ransom or a right to do that. But uh, that's really the biggest question with ransom theory is to whom is the ransom being paid? And then finally, there is this aspect of the atonement that is Christ as our moral example, that his love and his sacrifice is intended to inspire us to to turn to God in repentance. We see part of this as the trajectory of Paul's entire letter to the Ephesians, at least in chapters 2 through 4, where he basically starts laying out for the Ephesian Christians, listen, Jesus has died for you. He has raised you to new life. He has given you the Spirit. He has given you an inheritance. You now belong to God, and you have a restored relationship and fellowship with God. He's laying all these different things that God, through Christ, has done for them. And then he gets to Ephesians 4.1 and says, therefore, basically, live well, live in light of these realities and all that has been done for you and don't walk like you once did. Live out of love and joy for the great gift and gifts that you have been given by God. Jesus died for you. He gave us new life. He put us at peace with God. So walk worthy of that is basically the idea. And so again, clearly this is part of something that we see in scripture. And I don't think, again, anyone denies that these are aspects of the atonement. So as we talk and wrap up this week uh, with the rest of our discussion about penal substitutionary atonement, I do want to basically give a shout out to the fact that there are these other aspects of the atonement and all of them are scriptural and all of them are important. It's just that we do a disservice to our own theology and, frankly, to Scripture when we ignore any one of these things at the expense of uh, others. So now that we've covered these and that we are aware that these other aspects exist, we're going to turn our focus back tomorrow to answer some of the 
bigger objections that are raised against penal substitutionary atonement. Hope to see you then.